Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast, your non-stop Star Wars podcast for 2018. Uh, no, it's a DC Comics podcast. We didn't just spend 85 minutes talking about The Last Jedi or anything. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Uh but yeah, we're uh, we're back. We're here to talk about the DC Comics released on the 13th of December, 2017. If you haven't read them yet, please pause the podcast, go read them, and come back. While you're paused, you can go to multiversitycomics.com. We are in the midst of our year in review right now. Got lots of good stuff happening. As you have probably seen by the time you've listened to this, DC Comics was named our publisher of the year. And to celebrate, we're going to have some uh, some really cool content coming out in the first week of January involving certain folks at DC. I'll, I'll leave it mysterious for our listeners out there, so check that out. And, uh, yeah, let's get to the comics. So, first up is Action Comics number 993. Getting real close to 1,000 here, boys. Uh, this was written and illustrated by Dan Jurgens, and it sees Booster Gold show up in Rebirth for the first time. And uh, we get some Skeets action. The Flash shows up. Um, we're on Krypton for a Krypton. bit. Krypton. Um, I uh, I don't believe that the Dan Jurgens who writes Booster Gold is the same Dan Jurgens that <laughs> writes Superman. Like even within this book, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't believe that they're the same person. So you think that like there. That there was a grandfather named Dan Jurgens. He had two kids, and they each named their son Dan. Yeah, I think okay, so. so. There's two different. Okay, got it. All right. I think I think there's an Earth two Jurgens. Okay. I think so too. D- Jurgens writes Booster Gold, and it sounds perfect to me. Yes, I love when Jurgens writes Booster Gold. What did you guys think of Jurgens' 1988 um, Superman's mom? Yeah, she is like I, right out of a, a out of a like warrant video with that. <laughs> she she and Jorel are looking like a snack. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what did you guys think of this issue? I liked it a lot. <laughs> I generally liked it very much. Me yeah. too. Yeah, this was fun. I loved the bit with uh, Lombard and John and like <laughs> Lombard. Lombard's like closet booster gold obsession with the jock uh, strap. That was a little creepy because I, I I thought he was gonna walk out wearing the jock strap and nothing oh, else. Gosh, oh, gosh. John, come in here. <laughs> oh. I call my balls blue and gold. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, um, that part was weird. I did like I, how he had a poster in his room. Of the cover of, I think it's Booster Gold number one. Yeah, or one, <laughs> yep. one of the, one of the Booster sorry. Golds from the pre-Flashpoint era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. This this really was a booster shot. Like that's the name of that's the title of the arc. I think right. It is. Yeah. It is like a booster shot to not only the book but to DC Rebirth in general. Like just having Booster back, it's better than having him somewhere else. Yeah. Also, like. I don't remember the last time we had a book with Jurgens art, but this issue reminded me just how good Jurgens actually still is as an He's artist. Great. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, absolutely great at those drawing. Those scenes with, yeah, yeah, great at drawing. <laughs> those, uh, but those scenes with Booster and the Flash are just so good. Really, I mean, the whole book looks really good. Yeah. Also, the did you guys think that that page with like Superman, that big splash page with all the images around him, was a a deliberate uh, Superboy Prime punching reality reference? Because mm. sure it looks looked like a it. lot like it. I also thought that because DC has done that image not necessarily just with Superboy Prime, but like. Remember there was that initial, like, convergence image that had all the, like, splintered worlds there? And I feel like that's just what they do now. I, I, because, you know, we get our PDFs, and so double-page spreads are split. When I saw part one, I'm like, oh, the second half of that is going to have a bunch of new Krypton stuff on the other side. Because it's going to be him bursting through, like, all these alternate realities and past storylines and that. And we get a couple of things that could possibly be new Krypton-y, but not... I thought we were getting like a full-on, you know, yeah. to that. Yeah, they're more like Elseworlds type things. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the classic. Like, ooh, let's show you a, a alternate version of things that we you may or may not see again someday. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it certainly does look like that, though. Uh, Superboy Prime punching the the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also in our uh, in our weekly edition of, is this Lois or not? I think this is Lois, you guys. This, 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 this is, is Lois. Yes. yes, yeah, for sure. This is see Lois. when Jurgen when Jurgens draws Lois, she's Lois. Yes. How how's this for a pitch for uh, for like you know a 2018 book, a Lois Lane book drawn not written by Jurgens? Sure, I'd take it. Written by Bendis. <laughs> that is more likely than we think, I think. <sighs> Old white I, men everywhere I, are rock hard at the thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't be surprised if Bendis gets into the Superman books and if one of the books he's writing is not heavily Lois uh, inclined. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, Jurgen's like isn't that far like Bagley isn't far off from Jurgens. Right. This mm. is essentially like the pulse in the making, you know, like that was Bagley, right? At least at first. I don't know about the pulse. I mean, sure I know, I know of it, but I'm, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you the creative team necessarily. Um, I can tell you right now it was Bagley. Okay. Damn. Um, you're good. We we should probably mention that the uh, the the current rumor, and again, this could all be thrown off due to Brian Bendis's uh, health issues, was that he was going to be taking over action after one thousand. So we will know that the the March solicits were just no, was it the April it was just released? March? No, it, it was March, but one thousand was absent. Right. Uh, so I I think the April solicits will tell the story of of action 1000 and 1001. I think 1000 is going to be a little bit of everything, but I think 1001, we're going to see possibly Brian Bendis on the book. Mm. So we shall see. Um, any other specific thoughts for this issue? Um, 
it, it to me this shows what a little bit of Jurgen's art can do for you. Like I am really sick of Superman time traveling to go back to Krypton before it blows up. I feel like that that's a pretty classic Superman trope to go through. But to see the Jurgen's art and Booster Gold and all that, I, I welcome this. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. All right. Let's jump over to Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 17, written by the Bensons, illustrated by Roja Antonio. This is the conclusion of the, uh, the I forget the name of the story arc exactly, but it's the, um, where there's the virus that's killing all the Gotham men, and uh, we get, I, I would say, a, a pretty complete origin for the the villain of the story. I, I, I have to say, I, we'll get to everyone's thoughts in a second. I was kind of impressed with how complete this issue felt. Like I felt like this answered any possible question you could have about this arc and wrapped it up. I still don't think it was a great arc, but I, I was sort of impressed with how, how thorough this issue felt. What'd you guys think? Mm, see, I thought it was a really fun arc. I don't, I don't think this book has been great, but... I think this arc has been pretty great. Um, in like a in like a f- surprisingly fun and light way, considering like fifty percent of Gotham was pr- close to death. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? The the arc's t- name was manslaughter, manslaughter. By the way, yes. Okay. Um, you know, people people cheer on manslaughter, but they don't care about man's laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I like this a lot. Like all all the all the DC women just coming together and 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 kicking ass and it was good. It was fun. They were all well written. There wasn't like too much Harley for no reason. And got our Gotham girl fix. Got a little yeah. bit of Gotham girl. Yeah, a little dash of Gotham girl will do you. Um, yeah, this is fine. You know, um, yeah, I have no real thoughts on it. This is certainly the best arc of this book so far, but that's not saying all that much. No, but it just, it reminds me of the sorts of stories that we used to get. Like, I feel like this is a story they wouldn't have done in the New 52. Oh, absolutely. because none of these characters would like act like they know one another, you know. And and now in Rebirth, it really feels like they're making a conscious effort to whether they've met before on the page or not. Every character just kind of inherently knows one another mm-hmm. or knows what they're all about. So, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but uh, I just feel like if it was the New Fifty Two, the virus would have been so gruesome. And it would have been, like, the most just over-the-top thing. Um, All right, yeah. Uh, Now we're on to Vince's favorite comic, Bug, The Adventures of Forager. Conclusion (laughs) of this miniseries. uh, Written, illustrated, colored by the All Reds. And uh, I definitely understand why this isn't everyone's cup of tea. I said this last time as well. But I really enjoyed this miniseries, and I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was fun. I I liked this issue. Yeah, I liked w- once he got to the source wall stuff. Mm-hmm. I I really liked the way that it wrapped up. I I honestly did. So 
you know, there were like two or three issues in the middle that just didn't do it for me at all. But mm-hmm. but ultimately, I, I thought the way that it wrapped up was very inventive, funny, um, and really unex- unexpected. Like, having having sort of uh, bugs, or um, <laughs> I always call him Bug, Forager, yeah, Forager's uh, character arc sort of follow that of a uh, anime show that they watch on TV. Uh-huh. Onichan, Onichan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just a really interesting direction to go, and then, like, having him be like, yeah, I am the Onichan, or whatever, <laughs> it's just... It was, yeah, uh, surprisingly heartwarming and unique. Um, so I, I like where it ended. All right, that's good. Um, we know we know there's another um, Young Animal miniseries starting up in March. Uh, I, I forget the name of it offhand. It's is that one. the is it a Tornado Girl? Is Tornado Girl, yeah, or... it's the one written by Mags Visaggio. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I wonder if we're gonna see more miniseries kind of like this one popping up. I uh I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like they're they're purposely trying to keep Young Animal pretty small. So this mm-hmm. is a nice way to bring in some new stuff without blowing up the line making it too big. Yeah. Um Oh, really quick, like I I guess we, you know, we didn't really do a new segment, but what do you guys think of the new Young Animal books? The oh, changes. Um, yeah, so it's going to be uh, Cave Carson as an interstellar eye, uh, Shade the Changing Woman, and Mother Panic Gotham AD. So mm-hmm. that one's doing a, a, ten, uh, like a 10 or 15 year time jump. Uh, and then Cave and Shade are just kind of taking the characters, I guess, to the next, the next like, logical step. Um, right. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a nice way to keep the characters fresh. I think the the big news there is um, Ibram Mustafa. Uh-huh. I think is his name. Yeah, doing the art on Mother Panic. He's sharing it with um, Tommy Lee Edwards. Tommy Lee Edwards, yeah, yeah. But still, that's a that's a like huge get for that book. Agreed. That's an upgrade, yeah, for yeah. sure. He's fantastic. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun addition to the. Uh, to the young animal like family of artists, which has been already pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's let's get over to uh, Detective Comics number nine seventy, <laughs> written by James Tennant the fourth, illustrated by Joe Bennett. What's so funny, Vince? <laughs> just I just opened up the comic and first yeah. page is uh... yeah. <laughs> Tim's cranking it, you guys. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Tim in Rebirth. Is it the shape of the mask? Like he always looks weird. He's he's Tim Drake horny, Brian. Okay, so if we're looking at the PDF, uh it's page uh page four. He looks like Beavis on the first panel there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just got excited. I don't understand why everyone draws Tim Drake looking so weird with this uh, with this mask now. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> 
what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> You're the boys off. that were whacking off in <laughs> the back off. cave? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who would be the Daria of... Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, that's easy. It's Cass. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Just putting her hand with a volleyball lamp. Yep, um, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. You're standing who's, on my neck. Yeah. Who's Stuart? Uh, 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 Jean Paul. <laughs> okay. Wearing a winger shirt. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's get off the field with some butthead training. Yep, winger. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so this issue deals with um, a lot about Clayface. And I, I, I've been thinking about Clayface a lot lately. I, I really hope they keep him on the team. I feel like they keep teasing that he's going to be off the team. But it's... To me, it's one of the more interesting things they've done in Rebirth. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would be really sad for him to go. I I hope that they have enough self-awareness to realize that they they got a winner here. Like a truly unique villain-to-hero turn um, that they don't have to go back on. But I also could see this arc between him and his friend ending with, like, <clears throat> tragedy for her that causes him to be a villain again or something. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. I trust that not to happen. I, I, I trust DC to know that they've got a good thing going with the character. My, like, uh, my biggest reason for them to keep him this way is that Batman has more than enough villains. This is yeah. like, I could understand. I think we've said this before. Yeah, I, but I could understand like Lex Luthor needing to go back to being a villain at some point for Superman. You don't need that for this. You don't. You don't need Clayface to go back. Let him stay. Um, but overall, I, I do really like what this issue is doing. Um, Joe Bennett's art is not my favorite, but he did a, he did a fine job when he's not drawing uh, Tim Drake nutting everywhere. Um, I really don't like his art on this arc. I just I don't I don't get it. His clay um, face looks a little bit like Godzilla's son, Gadzuki. <laughs> he kind of looks like just a big turd. <laughs> um, how about the stuff that they're doing with Tim, making him into this like machine who doesn't sleep and is kind of like obsessed with. Like he's he's headed towards the paranoid Batman that has like the one that invents like the bat robots to patrol Gotham the in the future. He doesn't want to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's an interesting. Yeah, I think they need to give that decision a little bit more time in the issues because it seems like he just met his future self. He didn't like what he became, and yet he seems to be making those exact decisions. Well, I think they're doing a good job of of him overreacting to having met that and then not seeing not seeing how what he's doing is the same. Like I, I buy it. See, I, I feel like he'd be more self aware than this. Yeah. But The man's he, not sleeping. He's not. You're right. <laughs> there are so many amazing nut faces in this whole issue. <laughs> Go to page nineteen, and uh, top left, top right panel. Page nineteen. Page nineteen, top right panel. 
What did we decide? It's Detect Nut Comics? Yeah, or, no, or not, was, not Tech... It was not Detect Nut. Detect Nut. Yeah. Detect Nut Comics. Yeah. Let's look at okay. that. Come on. Yeah, that's... Yep. <laughs> Pull up the feed! Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Huge! Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I think overall, Detective is somehow still an underrated book because it's just been so consistent mm-hmm. and it's it's not the flashiest book out there but it's just it's been so to me it's it's been the saving grace of the bat line since rebirth started it's really connected everything yeah all right that brings us to the flash number 36 written by joshua williamson Illustrated by Howard Porter, this is the beginning of a brand new arc, which takes place at Iron Heights. It brings the rogues back into it. Specifically, Captain Cold has a large part to play. And uh, this is the first issue of the arc, and it definitely feels that way. Uh, We were talking a little bit beforehand about how Vince was saying how there's uh, a ton of exposition of sort of explaining things that just happened. But also, this feels like, you know... Because of the twice-monthly nature of this book, things like Barry getting assigned to Iron Heights now, if you skipped an arc or two, you may not remember that. Or just because so much is happening in this book because it is getting released every two weeks that you might forget that sort of stuff. So there is a lot of exposition stuff here. But to me, that has been a hallmark of the Josh Williamson uh, run so far. But what did you guys think of this issue? Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I I didn't think it was maybe the best. It it had some cool ideas, but it also felt maybe just kind of retreading, uh, you know, some pretty standard rogues territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um... I, I I think the relationship between Barry and August is really interesting. Um, I think their little back and forth was was pretty good. And then to have, I mean, it was a pretty obvious reveal that he was going to be working with the Rogues at the end. But uh, you know, that doesn't make it any less of a compelling element to their conflicted relationship. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. And I love Howard Porter's art. It's gorgeous. I, I, man, I'm so glad he's doing like regular titles at DC. Like he'll, you know, he's not exactly monthly, but he'll pop in throughout are, the year. Are you saying Justice League 3001 wasn't a uh, regular title? If it was, uh, you could fool me. I, I, I dropped that book like a bad habit. Yeah. I feel like he's particularly well suited for a flash book. Just the way his style works, I, I think, mm-hmm. particularly works well here. And he did, um, he did at least half of the button, didn't he? <laughs> the book, yes, he did. He did the flash issues. Yeah, for sure. Can't remember who did the second. Did he do the second Batman issue as well, or was no. that someone else? I think Faybach did. Both of those, but Josh Williamson went up writing it. That might be right. I thought it was a different artist did it, but it, you it, might you might be right. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps 
here. We got uh, this is written by Robert Venditti. <laughs> Breakdowns by Tom Derenick, illustrated by Jack Herbert. I will say this: uh, this is a boring, boring book, but I am happy we got a little bit of the four Earth Lanterns doing some stuff together. Yeah, I thought this was a garbage comic. This this book is a huge snooze. It did have that nice Kyle Rayner moment in the beginning. Okay, for, oh, he's an artist. Oh, oh I, he's I, I thought that was like it. so overwritten. I don't know. You guys have been reading this book, right? You know what this book is? <laughs> that's not yeah, overwritten. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but that's not overwritten for this book. That's like the subtlest thing that Venditti's done in this book. Oh, come on. <laughs> Uh, Basically, but... like, Kyle learned how to interact with children from, like, he really did learn from 90s sitcoms. He's, like, every... Steve Lombard. <laughs> Gosh. He's what? Steve Lombard. Oh, I thought you said Paul Blart. <laughs> what the fuck about him is screaming mall cop to you? No, 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 no. If any guy is Paul Blart mall cop. Yeah. Oh, Guy is pretty bad in this. Paul Bart's he Space Cops. <laughs> yes. Nobody breaks into our house and snatches up our dwarves. Oh, God, he's the worst. Yeah. And then Hal, just such a bozo. Who took the Guardians of the, ga- of the Universe? Mm-hmm. I said Galaxy. Oops. But still. Can you believe that, that was they just were... like... Oh, go ahead. Do you believe they were going to kill off Jon Stewart back in the New 52 and not Guy Gardner instead? Guy, Guy is good. Guy can <laughs> be good. good. I don't know. Guy can be good. Read the Justice League International omnibus that just came out. Guy can be not, good. Not, not going to do that. I, I have back problems the way it is. That is true. Get it digitally. <laughs> um, but no, I, what I'll say is I, I think that this issue shows that Venditti can maybe write Kyle decently? Because like, even just the way he had Kyle like um, listening and spying on the... Uh, when getting information, like all that felt true to Kyle. And I feel like Kyle's been so poorly written in Rebirth so far because of Venditti. So this was, this was the best Kyle issue of Rebirth. Again, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying this is the best Kyle's been in Rebirth, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> a a ring endorsement there from uh, if, from Vince. if you say so yeah um so that brings us to Justice League of America number twenty written by Steve Orlando illustrated by Hugo Petrus this is the conclusion to Surgical Strike we get some Prometheus action we get Lobo swallowing a bomb um we yeah. What'd you guys think? I'm pretty glad this arc is over. <laughs> and I don't understand what people expect from Caitlin Snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. You said it, Zach. You said it. She's a reformed supervillain who has to feed, and they're mad when she feeds. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought that same thing. Um, I think she's been written really weird and it's not just Steve Orlando. It's basically anywhere she shows up in rebirth. It's like, nobody knows what she's supposed to be, you know, Mm. whether it was in, uh, justice league versus suicide squad or where this was kind of all established. Right. Right. Yeah. Or even priests, uh, Deathstroke uh, exercised issue, which mm-hmm. which I thought I liked very much. But even like with Caitlin, it was like, why is she here? Yeah, there, there, and they was, kind, there was they, no reason to have her there. You're right. Right. They kind of addressed it too, but it still didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, this someone someone was like, "Aren't you good now?" And she's <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, there's good as relative or something like that." And yeah. It's like what? <laughs> Wait. No, you're a Justice League member, yeah. you know? This seems to me like it's uh, it's one of those things where because she is such an important part of the Flash TV show, they really want to make her work on the comics. But the problem is the character on the TV show that shares her name is such a fundamentally different character that mm-hmm. you can't just sub her into places that seem convenient. Mm-hmm. Right, and if they wanted to do that, they should have just done it like a Band-Aid and just, did, like, just ripped it right off. Exactly, and and they didn't. They're trying to do. They're trying to like play it both ways, and I don't think it's really working. Yeah, this was definitely not the best arc of the book. I I do like the fact that Orlando is doubling down on this idea that the Justice League of America is like the people's team, and that it's different than the regular Justice League for a number of reasons. I I, I like all that stuff. I think all that stuff is is reasonably interesting. I just think that this team has the potential to be something really special and different within DC. And whenever the book takes a step in that direction, it takes two steps into something I really don't care about. Yeah. Mm. And and Lobo, Lobo is like easily the best part of it, I think. Yeah. So it's almost like anytime Lobo's not there, you're saying, where's Lobo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, circling back to our pre-record conversation here somebody referred to luke skywalker as the poochie of star wars (laughs) where whenever whenever luke's not on screen someone's asking where's luke (laughs) yeah right (laughs) well maybe yeah a little bit Can, can i one thing about this book is that it's clear that that if you follow steve orlando on twitter he's taking a lot of uh joy and pleasure in kind of unearthing all these old obscure DC things mm-hmm. and trying to bring them to light. And I think your mileage varies on how much you care about whatever particular uh, ephemera he's right. grabbing onto at any given moment, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of a Grant Morrison thing, but I have to say, I don't really care about Prometheus all that much. This, I mean, yeah, I don't either. You and guys... I wonder how much I'm going to care about uh, Lady, um, uh, what's that character's name that shows up at the end? Aztec, Lady Aztec. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you guys clearly aren't watching Arrow if you're not big Prometheus fans. I'm not watching a single no. DC show, and I won't. Me either. I'm done with that. You guys are missing out. 
Doesn't it doesn't sound like it the way that you talk about those shows? I mean, you're not you're not really missing out, but you're missing out. <laughs> okay, because we can't talk about it, and, and we have nothing to talk about as it is. So <laughs> we, we have to we have to struggle to find conversation topics. So it'd be so much easier if you guys just watch those shows. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> we have such a hard time. We really do. There's such a hard time filling up two to three hours, <laughs> not counting our pre and post uh, recording <laughs> chats. <laughs> How are we still married? Okay, um, let's talk about Mr. Miracle, number five. Written, let's talk about it. <laughs> written by Tom King, illustrated by Mitch Gerrids. Um, oh, my. This uh, this was an issue, guys. It was... Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this issue, honestly. Nothing can, what can be said more about that scene where Scott is basically like being crucified in his bed and he's, his, his being censored by his own face mask. Yeah. I like to think that his face mask is literally laying on his pecker at that. I kind of, it kind of looks like it. Yeah. All right. So I, before we get into this issue in particular, this has been happening throughout the book. But I feel like it's happening more in this issue, the sort of visual distortion that's happening. Mm-hmm. Do we think that that's part of the overall, like that's going to be part of the sort of reveal of the book? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Have we have we any guesses for what that means? Well, haven't we talked about how that's the his sort of mental degradation due to the anti-life equation? Do we th- is that why it's getting worse? I don't know if I agree that it is getting worse. I, I guess maybe I just noticed it more this issue. I feel like we it need was to like go back and see like yeah like how often it happens like when it's happening you know yeah and see if there's a because in this issue it mostly only happens when they're doing it. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's a, it's a sizable chunk of this issue. Yeah, it's true. Boy, they're really it, letting, it happens a few other times. Yeah. They're letting Tom King go wild with his like metatextual fourth wall breaking kind of stuff by having Mr. Miracle visit Jack Kirby's uh uh his Hollywood Walk of Fame yeah. thing, mm-hmm. handprints. And uh yeah, like <laughs> having Stanley show up too. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And and Batman, uh, you know, from the Batman annual when he drove into Porky Pig's bar, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just letting him go nuts with that with this stuff. Is it just and, me, uh, or did Garrett's draw Barda very differently this issue? Um, I thought it... I didn't think it was that dissimilar. I guess it was maybe... I mean, she was in various states of... Uh, Undress? In, in, indisposed, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't need to see him fucking, is what I'm saying. I don't think I needed that. I, Twice. I am... I, I thought you were a horny boy. I guess, I'm, I, guess I was wrong. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this. Lose the mask, you're in business. <laughs> no. I didn't need to see... 
Mr. Miracle get a blowjob, <laughs> basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. I didn't need Big Bar to stick in her tongue out while she's <laughs> writhing around on his, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. what I'm saying. Um, there was that really dark scene where they have the mother box play the Screams of the Damned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's not I mean, a, it's, this is not a happy book. No, it's not. It's not. It's really fucked. It's like um I mean, it's clearly like it's it's clearly displaying Scott and Barda as very normal people in the real world who also have fucked up upbringings in a completely fantastical world. Mm -hmm. And that's the point of the book seems to be playing with that. And a lot of it's working for me, but I don't know if this issue really did. And it's not, it's really not because I'm a prude. I'm just joking about that. But like, I mean, you are Midwestern. (laughs) It's just towing this very weird, very weird line of like I don't know how to describe it like it's it's the excuse is probably going to be that it's the the anti-life equation fucking everything up but I feel like Scott and Barda are different people from issue to issue sometimes mm-hmm. I I don't know I don't know. This was a weird one. See, I, I think if you take out the uh, the sex stuff, to me, this is actually a very wholesome issue. <laughs> like, it really... It, there's a lot about their relationship and why they work together so well, and you really see their, their love for one another. You know, you, you see Scott trying to just make Barda happy by winning that the stupid prize at the carnival... You see Barda being really emotional about what's happening here. Like to me, all of that this almost read like um, I can't pinpoint the bit of media I'm talking about. There's another. There's like a, a last day together story I'm thinking of when I don't know if it's someone like moving, going off to the military, or moving away, or going to jail or something. But I feel like I've I've seen this kind of story before where it's you know a couple's last day together for whatever reason. Um, yeah, before and, sunset. No, because that's their first day together too. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Before but sunrise. Yeah, before sunrise rather. Uh, but yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed this issue. I, I'm kind I, of amazed at how much I'm enjoying it because I, I tend to find stuff that tries to be this self serious about superheroes a little bit tiresome. But mm-hmm. I, I've, I've enjoyed this. I I am really liking this because I feel like Scott and Barda are just like I think they're like probably the best couple in comics this year. I just I really like how King is like yeah. portraying their their marriage. Well, it I just think... feels it just feels real. Real. It, I, this feels like in like a 
weird. This feels like an indie movie where you're not really supposed to feel great about it the whole time, but then at the end you're kind of just like, eh, life's life's hard." <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think just for this issue we kind of flipped then because I feel like I've been the one who's been effusive about this book, and now and now you guys liked this issue more than I did, so I'm sure it'll come back around. I mean. I liked the first three issues a lot. It was just something about this one. I see what you're saying about the romance and the and the the reality of it and the the sort of uh, yeah, like indie cinema verite type feel of it. I, there's just something about I don't know. There's a disconnect in this issue from everything else that's been going on for me that was just I don't know. Just didn't sit fair. well. That's fair. Yeah, I get it. All right, let's get to uh, New Superman, number 18, written by Gene Lu and Yang, illustrated by Brett Peoples. Um, I love this issue, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very good. I love his logo changing yep. in the middle of the issue. Yep, that's fantastic. That's such a great... Oh, man. I loved all the stuff with I Ching. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, why do you look like a drawing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, yeah, I like the Green Lantern Corps of China. Mm-hmm. I loved that at the end, yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah, this, this is the kind of book that I'm going to just constantly fear is going to be canceled. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it feels like there's just so much... They could do with it. I mean, it's getting a new lease on life. It is, yeah. I would think it's safe for at least ten issues. Yeah. Ooh, I hope so. If I got ten more issues of this, I'd be a happy camper. I think you will. I really do. I believe next issue is like a one like a one and done about the reporter. What's her name? Um Lenny Lang. Lang. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be... And I think it's issue 20 is the Justice League of China starting. Yeah. So, it's exciting stuff. It's really, really good. And um, Gene Yang just has a way of crafting this world that feels really fresh. And also, there's so many little hints to DC past, but it doesn't feel beholden to that at all. It really does feel like a new creation. To me, this... This feels, and, and this is probably a bad um, comparison, but it feels a little bit like like if DC had an ultimate universe, and they obviously you wouldn't have Superman and Lex showing up, but in terms of like the way that Marvel with their ultimate universe, or even DC with their like Earth-1 stuff, the way they would rewrite certain things where it's echoing the things you know before, but it's not quite referencing them, that's how this feels to me. Mm. Vince was right. This is a good book. <laughs> uh, that brings us to Ragman number three, <laughs> written by Ray you know Fox. What, you know what? You know why Ragman is a good uh, name for this book? <laughs> why? Vince? You know where I'm going with this? I'm going to let you say it though. Why, why, why is it a good name for this book? I I I would like to wipe my ass with it. <laughs> Illustrated by Anaki Miranda. 
Um, <laughs> and Aki Miranda's great. He is. The book looks great. Yeah. And 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 it did something I'm always a fan of. Etrigan rhymed the whole time. So many writers yes. now don't yep. have him rhyme the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. Gone, gone, the form of man. Rise the demon, Gene Parmesan. <laughs> I'll laugh every time. Um, is, this is... The... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I feel like we're three issues into this, and it's still... The first ten pages of a good comic? Yeah, like, why do miniseries... Okay, answer me this, both of you. Why do these six-issue miniseries that focus on, like, solo characters... This seems to only happen at DC, I think. Why are they always, like... All right, we're going to take six issues, and we're going to spend the entire time getting this character's feet under them. And then after the six issues are done, we're not going to see them again for until the next time we do this. Yeah. You know, this doesn't feel like somebody who's a living part of the DC universe. You Even know? though they throw in Batwoman to try and throw you off that scent. Yeah. It's do- it doesn't matter because it doesn't feel uh, organic, you know? But am I wrong? Like, every time they do one of these, like, I'm worried that, so we talked about Black Lightning. I'm worried that they're going to establish Black Lightning over six issues. And then I know you said because it's got the DC Universe banner, it seems like something they're going to pull from and use again. Like, they're going to put him on a team or something. I think more because of the TV show than anything else. Right, sure. But that comic still feels like if, if we get to the end of six issues and it's over, we might not see him again for another five years or something. And then when they bring him back, they're going to have to do the exact same thing again where they got to reestablish, okay, this is what he's been doing. He's kind of been out of the game for a while. This is, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just want Ragman to be like a thing in the DCU. And it's not, it's not going to be. This is going to end, and we're not going to hear from Ragman again forever. <laughs> yeah. I'm especially surprised this is coming from the pen of Ray Fox. Because I think at DC he's done some really good supernatural stuff, whether it's the Gotham by Midnight stuff, or didn't he do... Um, was he part of the last incarnation of Justice League Dark? I think so. I think he was co-writing with Jeff Lemire at one point, yeah, wasn't he? That is, I think so. Yeah. So like, these are characters that should be right in his wheelhouse, but they're so focused on... like The fact that they brought in another person from the army past, Like, there's no reason for that. I don't think anybody gives a shit about Ragman's origin. We just want to see him be Ragman. Mm-hmm. But not going to happen. To quote En Vogue, we're never going to get it. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, guys. Number 17, written by Scott Lobdell, illustrated by Dexter Stoy, featuring the Suicide Squad, because we don't get enough of them elsewhere. Um, this, was, I... this was better oh. than Suicide Squad this week, right? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't read. I didn't read, I didn't read Suicide okay. Squad, so I can't tell you. So but... I'm gonna say the sentence: Scott Lobdell writes a better Suicide Squad than Rob Williams. Yeah. That that yeah. sentence is a crazy thing to 
if you had told 2015 Brian he'd say that sentence, I, I would never believe myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sorry, Zach, you were going to say something. I was going to ask when, um, when like Killer Croc became the authority on Roy Harper. Are they like <laughs> secret best friends? Okay, I, I I think if I'm not mistaken, Killer Croc is Roy Harper's AA sponsor. I'm not joking. Really? I think so. Oh wow! Wow, because, that's a DC deep cut. Because um. And I think that was established by Lobdell in the last Red Hood and the Outlaws arc. Um, oh, okay. You're right. I am I right? Yeah. Roy, Roy mentions he has to call his sponsor Waylon in DC Universe Presents number 17 from the <laughs> New 52. We were just talking about, about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, Holy shit. Because in this issue, Jason asks him, do you ever hear from Roy? He says, only when he wants a drink. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a sponsor. Oh, well, that's that gives, I'm glad I know that, because that gives that conversation, like, a much better tone, because I took it, like, I took it more negatively, you, you know? Took it, took, like, Roy's constantly breaking his sobriety with Killer Croc. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just weird. It's a weird... It's a weird decision to make of of all the characters in the DC universe to give an addiction problem to. Killer Croc seems like the least likely one to do so. Also, he does not seem reliable enough to be an AA sponsor. <laughs> that is true. Also, <laughs> how do you get a hold of him? Does he have a waterproof <sighs> cell phone? Because he's always in the sewers. He even was complaining about... He was, yes. I'm always in the sewer. Well, I mean, like, does Amanda Waller just, like, let him take calls? Like, <laughs> oh, hey, Mandy. Uh, <laughs> Roy's calling me. Mandra. She hates Mandy. <laughs> uh, uh, no, my that's a few. That's a future hint for some folks. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, this issue was, it was fine. Again, if you told me, like, Lobdell's going back to the world of Harvest, I'd have thought it was going to be terrible. But this wasn't that bad. This yeah, book, no. It, this book isn't that bad, guys. No, it was, it's, it was actually an enjoyable read. Yeah, it's not even not bad. It's like, it might be good. There was a great <laughs> conversation towards the end between Roy and, uh, and Killer Croc. Not Roy, I'm sorry, Jason Killer Croc, where Jason is, like, being warned by Croc about, like, how you go down this road and you can't come back from it and all that. And then uh, Jason goes, so you want halves, right? He goes, halves is fine. <laughs> and then, like, I'm dividing up all the weaponry. It was great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me put it this way. So I'm I'm buying a bunch of these books. You know, I started Rebirth off, and I'm, I started buying every Rebirth title, right? Uh-huh. And slowly I've been hacking away at the ones that I don't like, you know, knocking them off. And every month I get to Red Hood and the Outlaws and I go, I want so badly to cut this from my pull list. And I I can't because it's actually good. I feel like I have that conversation with myself every month. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's kind of impressive, actually. I can't believe it. Yeah. Is the bigger surprise of Rebirth that Scott Lobdell is good again or that Rob Williams is bad? <laughs> I think definitely the Lobdell thing. Okay. 
Yeah, right. I'll actually, I'll go there too. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about Suicide Squad then. Uh, Zach didn't read this. I I did flip through it. Okay, okay. Um, Just to see that begin to art. Yeah, <laughs> there is some nice Barnaby begin to art here, uh, written by Rob Williams, illustrated by Begin to. Um, we uh, we see the return of Rick Flag. We see his grandpa sacrifice himself. Blah blah blah. Um. I I will say this was one of the least offensive issues of Suicide Squad. There wasn't any uh, Killer Croc vomiting, which happens in every other issue. Um, but it's it's this is just not a good comic. Vince, characters. Uh, see, you said Rick Flag was back. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I you know characters seem to like die or disappear or fake die and then come back at such an alarming rate in this book that it's like. How could you possibly care about any of it? Right, right. And that's how I felt about this issue, too. It's like, oh, Rick Flagg's back. Well, we knew he was coming back. Nothing in this book matters or lasts. So why, you know, why should I care? So I, I have a weird way to make this book so much better. From now on, just read Rick Flagg as if he's Rick Flair. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I'm trying to help here, guys. I'm trying to help. Um, let's get back on the Steve Orlando train with Supergirl number 16, written by Steve Orlando and Jody Hauser, illustrated by Robson Roca. Um, I feel sometimes like with Supergirl, I miss. Like it, I, feel, I always feel like I'm missing the issue beforehand. Does that make sense? <laughs> like I, I just it doesn't stick with me month to month. I always feel like I'm missing something. Um, yeah. But I really enjoyed this issue. But when it started off, I was a little bit confused. Um. I I didn't feel that way about this because I remembered the the like. Uh, blue Supergirl or whatever right. you I don't what you call it. like I I distinctly remembered that twist from the last one and so yeah I enjoyed this a lot too and I really enjoyed mostly the stuff where she was just walking around as Kara Danvers with her like bruises on her arms and people are concerned about her and yeah she's got to keep this like it's the classic you know got to keep your secret life up while you're also trying to get through school. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff was refreshing to me, even though it's a trope that's you know goes back to the dawn of comics. But uh, they're just, uh, you know, there's not enough of that lately, and I think Orlando does a really nice job with that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was more confused about the, uh, the thief... Or the, I guess, the, like, ex-jail, the, the ex-con um, night guy. that I'd forgotten about that. Mm. Yeah, uh, what was his name? Um, um, uh, Insight. Insight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that um, 
that Ho Ho, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean Belinda was really into High Ally. Mm. I was a deep Mad Men cut for you there, Vince. Ho Ho, remember he was the guy in Mad Men who was who worked that was with his Pete name, Campbell. That was Ho Ho, yeah. Yeah, he was trying to get High Ally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that was his name. Ho Ho, yeah. really? Ho-ho. Are you sure? I'm almost positive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look it up if you don't believe me. I'm looking it up. You just talk amongst yourselves. Oh yeah, Horace Ho Ho Cook. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You're welcome. Uh, no, highlight. That was my joke. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. This book is fun. I, I I wish. It's funny. I was I was so against. I've said this before. I I was so against double shipping for a lot of reasons. But I feel like because of the double shipping, the monthly books I sometimes have a harder time getting back in the rhythm of them. And I feel like this is a book I need to be rereading before the next issue comes out, so I can get in the rhythm quicker, because I really do enjoy it. Yeah, I, I sometimes feel that way. Um, that's a valid... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's valid. i got to say, I don't didn't really care for much of uh, Robson Rocco's art. Oh, really? I really like Rocco on this book a lot. I like him it's better so on this than on, than on his Lantern stuff. I feel like from issue to issue, it's up and down in a weird way. Mm, I I, I tend to really enjoy his work here. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, that brings us to the penultimate issue of Superwoman, written by Kay Perkins. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, illustrated by uh, Federico Dalco, Delacchio, Delacchio. Um, so this this is setting us up to believe that Lana's gonna die in the next issue, and I'm gonna win a bet. Yeah, that's I would say we we have gambled about this in the past. Um, I I still think this is misdirection. I don't see any reason why it makes sense for DC to kill Lana Lang. I could see her being depowered. Well, I still win that bet then. Yeah, probably, but I don't. I, I don't. I don't think they're actually going to kill her. What do you guys think? No, I don't think they're going to kill her either. I don't. I don't think they'll kill her. But this was a fantastic issue. God, did I enjoy this. This book has been sneaky good for a long time. Yeah, I was kind of down on it for a couple issues, but this was... Oh, man. I think that Delacchio art kind of gave it a kick in the butt, too. Like, I I really... It was a joy to read. It was a joy to look at. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been pretty disinterested with this book since Jimenez left, but I do feel like this issue is an uptick in quality. And again, I just feel like this is bringing so many underserved Metropolis characters together between Maxima and the Ironses and uh, Lois and... Uh, Lena Luthor, like there's just, there, there's so much great Superman lore happening in this book, and and this issue in per, in particular is like 
like you said, it's it feels like it's setting up Lana to be done with this current status quo, whether she dies or just gets depowered. But it does so in such a celebratory fashion for her. Like, every panel and, like, the pacing of this is set up to put her at the center and make her the big hero, you know? Yeah. Like, it's when when she goes out, when it happens, it's going to be, like, a triumphant moment in her arc as... Somebody who got powers and is probably going to lose them. Yeah. Um, just really well done. Um, yeah. Kate Perkins can can stick around on another book after this is... Yeah, she's doing an issue or two of Batwoman. I saw that, yeah. And then uh, Marguerite Bennett's back for the latest solicitations. So. Yeah. yeah, I think it was just a fill-in thing there. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see her pop up on a on another book suit at DC. At least I hope so. Um, next up is the Wildstorm Michael Cray number three with a nice Meet the Beatles homage cover, uh, written by Brian Hill, illustrated by N. Stephen Harris. Now that we have wrapped up the Green Arrow arc, it's time for a Flash arc. Zach, you were down on the first arc of this book a little bit. What do you think of this issue? Uh, I'm still pretty down on this book. I, I don't... Uh, it, it's fine. We, we've established that much much like The Last Jedi is hashtag not your Star Wars, this is not your Wildstorm. That's not true. I know. don't don't even don't even lump this in with the last jedi (laughs) um yeah i just don't this book's just not doing it for me at all vince what do you think i really like this book (laughs) i probably fall as usual in between you guys um this is a good issue uh, I, I do think it sometimes the the book sometimes is a little bit too explainy for its own good. See, no, I I I don't think that at all. I think it's right in line with what Warren Ellis is doing. So if you think the Wildstorm is too explainy, then I don't. I'll buy. Okay. See, I think this is right in line. Okay. I just think I I think it does the same sort of thing where it'll take you know, it feels comfortable taking two to three pages to show an action beat mm-hmm. with no dialogue, and then, you know, it'll be some characters sitting at a table. But I, see, I don't feel like it's exposition. I feel like it's a conversation between two people where they're trying to eke something out of one another or get the upper hand at the bargaining table, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like the Wildstorm does the same thing. Like, it's kind of crazy to me how closely I think Brian Hill is coming to to matching what Warren Ellis is doing. Um, I think Warren Ellis is maybe a little more subtle, but as far as the style is concerned, I think they're matching up really well. And, um, and, I should hate the idea of him having to hunt down this Barry Allen who's like got this 
personality disorder and uh, is like doing bad things, but it's really intriguing to me <laughs> somehow. Also, Barry Allen is Eminem for some reason in this. Marshall Mathers, right. as it were. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant the <laughs> sexy green real Eminem. Slim Shady. Yeah. I thought you meant the sexy green Eminem. Um, <laughs> Stupid sexy Eminem. Yeah. I do want to talk about uh, it's the second or third page of the book, the sort of like Michael Cray's um, trophy case there. There were some interesting items in there. We get a, a broken boomerang, presumably from Captain Boomerang. We get a scarecrow mask. It looks like Wonder Woman's um, wrist bracelet, wrist uh, bracelets thing. Uh, what are they called? The um, there's a word for those bracelets. Um, no, I don't know. You know what I mean, though. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, any C- other... cable cable from the X Men's giant gun? Yeah, yes. For some reason. Um, I think, do, do you have any, any other guesses as to who the other people represented there are? Cyborg. Is that a cybernetic eye? I was uh, going to say cyborg's one eye, one human eye. Oh, oh I oh, thought maybe it was Cave Carson. I thought it was Cave Carson's too. That's what I thought. Oh, of. maybe. Oh, that's interesting. What about the masks up top? Uh... Deathstroke. That could be Deathstroke, like from the... Like one inside. half of it, the front half? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like that other like... one is like, um, I don't know, that's a that's a villain, right? I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do we know whose foot that is? No. Uh, no. No. Uh, it's just a fun little page. Some yeah. genius will figure it out. Post yeah. it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I, I think that much like how um, Brian Hill is is getting close in tone to what Warren Ellis is doing, I think, and Stephen Harris is, he is, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He is no... Um, uh, John Davis Hunt, but I think that, that aesthetically there's a lot of similarities there. These definitely feel like books of a feather. Mm. Mm. Zach disagrees. Yeah, I don't. I don't like this book. That's all right. That's all right. Once again, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, let's get. Just to kidding. T- we are all men of our own free will. Sometimes I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not if you ask our wives. Yeah. Hi Divorce. Um Abrix oh, Titans number eighteen, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brett Booth. Uh did you guys find this month's uh pizza reference? <laughs> yeah, Pizza Gate. It was in action comics. It oh, was uh <laughs> Steve Lombard. <laughs> no, uh so the Titans did not eat pizza this week. But they are passing like a pillar that's knocked down, and there's uh, a pizza fish like um, flyer, and it says pizza fish. It, it's people. It's people. <laughs> so okay. keep listening, yeah. Dan Abbott. <laughs> yeah. Or Brett Booth. Or, um, 
But yeah, uh, I actually I actually didn't mind the Brett Booth art this issue. This whole issue was good. Yeah, this issue was it was it was fine. It was a good issue of the book. I still wish it was drawn by somebody else. <laughs> I liked it. I don't know. I don't, I I don't it, know. I, I thought it was weird how Wally sent young Wally away to go get like the Teen Titans and the Justice League, but then they like wrapped it all up before. two seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because the the next issue it says the Titans versus the Justice League. I wonder if they're just pissed off because they dropped what they were doing to come to this uh, (laughs) inconsequential battle. They're going to get there and they're all going to be eating rubbery pizza. Yeah. Oh, pizza fish. I thought Donna Troy had some great moments. Um, We got a little bit more of the relationship stuff between the characters, which I'm a sucker for when it comes to the youth youth characters. I really liked when, uh, when Roy expressed his love for Troya. And she was like, "You do, you love me, duh!" Like it was, <laughs> it was a nice little fake out there. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a good issue. It feels like they're finally starting to do something with this book that isn't going to be just like the mystery of the Titans. Mm-hmm. As part of that, I, I do care about that a little bit, but I, I care more about just seeing them do good stuff together. Yes. All right, that brings us to our final issue of the week before we get to our book club selections in just a minute. Uh, this is Wonder Woman number 36, written by James <laughs> Robinson, <laughs> illustrated by Carla Pagulayan. All right, I don't disagree, but I will say one thing about this issue. At least Zeus shows up. No. At least there's no. something happening. I don't I'm, like I'm... what's happening. At least something's I'm, happening. Yeah, I, I can get, I can agree with you there. But man, this book is just <sighs> there's so much wrong with this. I hated Zeus showing up too. I'm just happy that something is happening. <sighs> Nothing has happened in the series so far. Yeah. Um. It's just there there's they're trying to establish this like depth this whole Jason thing is a big bunch of bullshit to me. <laughs> I'm they're, they're trying to establish this as some like meaningful thing to Diana. I don't believe a second of it. Like I don't believe in Jason as a villain. I don't believe him in him as a thing that he has any relationship even though he's her brother. None of it matters, and you couldn't. There was almost no way to make it feel real, you know. They're having these little, like, uh, this little, like, dream sequency moment here where, where Diana's like, Diana, my name is Diana, say it, please, you know. And it was like, I'm not buying any of this. To me, the the story of Diana having a twin brother was always fucking dumb. But I feel like if it's important to anybody, it should be important to the Amazons more than it's important to Diana herself. Sure. Because it fundamentally changes what we know about Amazon culture and what they're capable of and all that sort of stuff. So And if, they're not playing it from that angle at all. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, that would be the interesting angle to play it from. 
they're playing it from like you know long lost siblings who don't really give a shit about each other well that's that's just that's boring and maybe with Zeus here that will change but I really feel like it's going to be more dark side versus versus our heroes than it's going to be any sort of exp, uh, exploration of of what of the Jason's idea birth means yeah right yes which I don't care about to begin with. So you're not wrong to not care. All right, well that does it for this week's books. We are going to start our next book club selection. We mentioned this last time, but we're going to be talking about Damage, the uh early to mid 1990s DC series and uh we'll get into that in just a second, but if you have no interest in Damage, you know, we're not offended if you tune out until next week. So hopefully we'll hear... Oh, well, Vince is offended. Um, hopefully you'll be back with us in just a minute. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster. A Silent Voice. And Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with our book club pick for Damage. Um... The impetus behind picking this one, again, was that there is a new DC series of the same name coming out in January as part of the New Age of Heroes, and when I was 12 years old, I loved this comic. Um, (laughs) I specifically liked once he joined the New Titans a couple issues in from this, but I have not read this book in uh, over 20 years, and, uh, well, we'll get to it in just a second. Did, Did either of you guys have any sort of history with this character or this book before this read? Nothing outside of um, Jeff John's JSA. Mm-hmm. Or particularly, like, after it was relaunched as Justice, the Justice Society of America. That was, like, where I first encountered him. Yeah, not none whatsoever on my end. Okay. When does his face get messed up? That's after the book ends. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that's actually one of the things I want to talk about. So in this, in these first couple of issues, we find out that his parents are not the people who raised him, and his sort of parentage is left questioned. It turns out that he is the son of, uh, is it the original Adam or there's Adam Adam Smasher? I can't remember now. I believe it's the original Adam. He is the son of Al Pratt. Yeah, yeah. the original Adam. Yeah. Um, but I believe that's a retcon situation. I don't think that was intended here um, in his uh, in his original origin. So we read the first three issues for this week. And, uh, I mean, in so many ways, this is a problematic 90s comic. Like, in every way, <laughs> more or less. Um 
He also kind of looks like Rob Liefeld. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, uh, what did you guys think of these issues? The art was good. Yeah, we, we should mention, by the way, it's written by Tom Joyner, illustrated by Bill Merriman. Very, I thought it was very good for the era. Mm-hmm. Um, very 90s. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think that the first issue has a fair amount going for it. Oh, the first issue was great. Um, especially, like, I like, there's a sort of running monologue of, like, the, the Emerson rules for, uh, for life, whatever. It, it's a nice framing device for, for the first issue. And you know, there's some cheesy 90s stuff in there. But overall, the first issue works. The first issue sets up a really sort of interesting status quo. Vince was happy there was a Pearl Jam poster in Grant's room. <laughs> I um, was, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that this issue, the first issue, I, I think, does a really does its job. It, it's it's always hard to launch a brand new character, and I feel like by the end of this first issue, you care enough about Grant Emerson that you want to see where the book goes. But issues two and three are not very good at all. No. no he fights the Hulk. <laughs> he fights a very stereotypically uh, African-American Hulk. <laughs> like... Yep. Using all this slang written by a white guy that's... Talking about Hotlanta? Yeah. Oh, my God. Some of, what? Can I, can I say something about the good first issue before sure. we move on? Sure, that I I think I either texted or maybe I, maybe I did this on Twitter that Damage is the original One Punch Man. Yeah. Because <laughs> towards, towards the end of the issue, he says something like... Uh, I just got to give him one good punch or something like that. And he's like winding up to fight this incredibly oversized robot that looks like it's drawn by Rob Liefeld. You mean like, Metallo? <laughs> yeah, Metallo. Yep, yep, that's Metallo. I guess that's Metallo. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah, it's like a super muscly version of, you know, it's a yeah. 90s muscle, muscle man version of Metallo. And... He like he shows him winding up, and then he punches, and there's a huge explosion. And the next two pages, it's a double page spread of him in the center of this crater, and it really gave me this One Punch Man anime vibe. Yeah. Um, that I really enjoy. I thought like, oh, if this is gonna be that kind of comic, that like embraces its its goofy, oversized brawn, you know, mm-hmm. I can dig it. But then, like, the next issue was way too much exposition. Like, the whole deal is that he's, he's like, a science experiment gone wrong. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And so, like, the second issue was a lot of exposition as far as how that goes. And then the third issue had this, like, yeah, vaguely racist. What's this character's name? Um, Troll. Troll, yeah. I mean, just... <laughs> So look at some of these lines. So get stepping. My homies call me troll. Wrong question. Don't be dissing me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like nobody talks like that. You know, that's that's so stereotypic, stereotypical, um, in just a really uncomfortable way. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping it gets better. I'm hoping it comes around. I, I'm interested in seeing him as a member of the Team Titans, but Teen Titans. But uh, yeah, after the first issue, I thought I'm, I was going to dig this, but then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, any any additional thoughts? I I really not really. <laughs> it wasn't awful. I mean, it's very much a book of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am kind of interested to see. I, you mentioned I really don't know anything about this era of the character at all, and I I would be interested to get to the point where he um, joins the whatever. Titans. Yeah, yeah, whatever Titans incarnation that is. Now I don't know if we're gonna get much of that in the solo series or if that'll really? happen okay. in Titans. But that team I, I've talked about this before is a really interesting team. It's Impulse, Kyle Rayner, uh Roy Harper, Donna Troy, uh the the second Terra, the second Mirage, um like it's a it's a really it's really weird Titans team. But it's it's some of my favorite like '90s. I think it's a lot of good characters from that sort of middle generation of characters, um, like I guess like Impulse and uh, Kyle Rayner and all that. So I think it's definitely it's definitely interesting. I, I again I was reading this when I was twelve. I, I'm not sure how it's all going to hold up, but I I'll still say this. I think that the um, the characters' powers are pretty unusual for its time. And uh, yeah, I I I I still also think that both his original design and his later JSA design are, are pretty cool costume wise as well. Mm-hmm. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Had to sneak that in there under the uh, under the wire. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, for next time we'll read the rest of this uh, first arc uh, issues four through six. So, yeah, join us for that. If you want to tell us what you think of the show, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at Vince Ostrowski. And I'm at SirFox89. And we'll be back next week with more DC Comics. So until then, enjoy. People were mad about Poe uh, saying that he was on hold for Hux, you know, uh-huh. because, you know, because Mil- it sounds like he's on hold for cucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's the stinger. The stinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>